2 Timothy 2, from verse 1, the word of God, where it says, Then you, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying, If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Julian, please come forward. Uh, if I could encourage you to leave your Bibles open, that would be good, because uh, we'll be referring back to the passage uh, a few times. Uh, and the text is really the, the uh, second half of that uh, reading from verses 8 through to 13 uh, is what we'll be focusing on. Uh, now Paul starts this passage off with the word remember uh, and really in many ways that word actually provides uh, the key to understanding this chapter, uh, to understanding these verses as a group. Uh, and we know being able to remember or having a good memory is important, uh, isn't it? Uh, it's important to have a good memory when you're meeting new people because if you have to ask their name three or four or five or six times you know, it gets a little embarrassing it's important to have a good memory in relationships uh, because missing important dates can land you in hot water. Uh, I read somewhere this week that elephants never forget. I, I don't know if that's true, uh, but I'm not an elephant. Uh, I can't remember where I put my keys five minutes after I've got into the house, uh, let alone my wallet if it's not in my back pocket. But remembering is so important. Uh, it's so important for just who we are. I mean, our memories shape us in many ways. Uh, they're part of the person that we are. It's why memory loss or Alzheimer's is such uh, an awful thing because our memories are so important. Our memories guide us. Uh, that's why when Anzac Day comes, lest we forget is what we say to each other because we don't want to make those mistakes again. And the whole idea of remembering is a very biblical one. Uh, we find it popping up all throughout the Old Testament. Uh, David, at the dedication of the ark, he calls all Israel to remember the wonders that, that God has done, to remember his miracles and his judgments that he's pronounced. 
Or in Psalm 77, the psalmist says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. For Israel, remembering was meant to cause them to reflect on what God had done and to to cause them to live correctly in response. And here in 2 Timothy, Paul calls Timothy, his young protege, to remember. But this time Timothy is to remember in the face of hardship and in the face of opposition. See, Paul, his mentor, is in prison. Uh, He's old, he's getting close to the end of his life and he's passing on the baton of ministry to his son in the faith, Timothy. And in the first seven verses of uh, 2 Timothy 2, he reminds Timothy that his life as a believer uh, and as a minister of the gospel is going to be one full of challenges. It's going to be tough. There's going to be opposition. Timothy is going to have to endure hardship. But as a counterpoint to all this, uh, this warning, to all these words of hardship, Paul also gives Timothy great encouragement in the verses that we're looking at today. He reminds him of the heart of this message, of the heart of the gospel. He reminds him of the power of that message. And finally, he reminds him of the hope of that message. When the going gets tough, the tough get remembering. And by remembering, they endure and overcome. And so these calls to remember are for us too. For by remembering, we too can stand when facing opposition, when facing trial. We can be encouraged. Now Paul starts for us at the beginning. It's a good place to start. The most important, the most essential thing for a believer to remember is the very heart of our faith, the Gospel. When hardships come, when when trials are on us, when the going gets tough, remember the Gospel. Uh, You might have noticed that Paul says, my Gospel, uh, and that might seem a little unusual to us. But he makes this statement to Timothy to remind him of the message that Paul brought You see, the church that Timothy was ministering in, there were lots of false teachers and lots of false gospels. So Paul's saying, remember my message, the gospel that I brought, rather than the ones of the false teachers at the time. And Paul summarises just what it is that we should remember, what his gospel is in verse 8. He says there, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David. Now I have to note that's a, that's a summary of the Gospel. Uh, it's a key phrase that for Timothy uh, and for us as well should bring to mind the whole of the Gospel. Uh, it's like knowing the first line of a song or even the first bar can jog our memory and bring the whole song to mind. So too should knowing this summary of the Gospel jog our memory and remind us of the whole message of the Gospel. Timothy, reading this summary, would have remembered the Gospel in its entirety. Descended from David would have reminded him that the Gospel has been God's plan and his promise throughout the ages, over thousands of years, throughout the entire history of Israel and even before. Descended from David would have reminded him that God sent his son Jesus to become fully human, that in him, God and man became one in a body of flesh. 
It would have reminded him that as a man Christ suffered, that he died on the cross and took the punishment for the sins of mankind. That as Paul writes in Romans 3, those who believe in him are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. The other phrase, raised from the dead, would have reminded him that Christ is alive, that God raised him from death and that he still lives. It would have reminded Timothy that through Jesus' resurrection we too have eternal life with him. You see, it's this message, Jesus Christ, descended from, uh, raised from the dead, descended from David, this summary of the Gospel and all the wonderful truth that it entails that Timothy was to remember when he was facing his hardships, when he was facing these trials. The most important thing, the centre of his faith was to be for him an encouragement. It was to spur him on. Now I've got a confession to make. Uh, Melinda and I like to watch The Biggest Loser on occasion. Not really the sort of thing you should admit in front of a couple hundred people, but it's true. But, you know, it can be incredibly satisfying uh, at the end of a day to sit down uh, and watch people heavier than you try to lose weight whilst you enjoy a bowl of dessert. <laughs> it's all about the timing. Uh, but on the show, uh, as part of their attempt to, to help the contestants, both uh, physically and mentally, uh, in the very first week they have the contestants write down uh, on a letter to themselves their reasons uh, for being there, for being in the competition. And you know all sorts of stuff pop up. Uh, they want to ride their horse again or go surfing again, find a partner, have kids, etc. But then later in the competition, 10, 12 weeks afterwards, when the going gets really tough, you know, when they're losing motivation, when they just want to go home and be, be rid of the whole thing, their trainers bring out these letters and they wave them in their face and they say, remember this, remember what you wrote down. Remember why it is that you're here. Remember how much you want to go and ride your horse or go surfing or find a partner, whatever. Remember what brought you here. Remember how important it is to you. And in a way, it's similar for us as believers. The Gospel is the very first thing. It's the most important thing in our lives. It's through the Gospel of Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David, that we are who we are. People of God, servants of him, workers in his kingdom. And so when the going gets tough, we need to get remembering, remembering the gospel of our Lord. Nothing else will help us over, overcome like the gospel will. Nothing can give us the same uh, encouragement and motivation. I mean, Jesus himself gave us the parable. The wise man stands upon the rock, builds his house upon the rock. The fool who builds on any other foundation will quickly find that when the waters come, when the floods rise, that everything will fall down around him. But the one who built upon the sure foundation, the rock, will stand when the trials come. No doubt you know it from your own life. Uh, when we rely on something other than God, it's not long before life gets even tougher. And we are the foolish builder so often, aren't we? Proud enough to think that we've got this, we can handle it, you know? We can stand all right, we don't need help, even while the waters wash us away. When the going gets tough, remember the gospel. Remember that Christ was descended from David, that 
It's all a part of God's eternal plan throughout the ages. That he's in control over all these circumstances, over thousands of years. And that likewise he's in control of the circumstances of your life. Remember that Jesus came as a man, that he too suffered, that he was tempted, that he also faced trials, but that he overcame and that we can share in his triumph. Remember that he died and that he was raised and that consequently your, assurance, uh, your salvation is assured in him. Remember that he was raised to life and as Paul writes in Colossians 3, your life is now hidden with him that no earthly power can take it away. When facing the hard times, when facing these trials, remember the truth of the gospel and be confident. And when others around you are struggling, remind them too of the truth of the gospel and encourage them. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. Uh, But Paul's encouragement doesn't stop there. He continues on. Uh, And really, if there was any person who could uh, give advice on coping with hard times, it would have to be Paul. Uh, He's probably had a harder life than most. Uh, In another one of his letters, in 2 Corinthians, he he lists some of the struggles that he'd been through uh, as a minister of the Gospel. And you know, the list goes on for quite a while. Uh, He's been beaten and lashed. Uh, He's been imprisoned. He'd been stoned, shipwrecked. Uh, It goes on. However, Paul's situation now, uh, as he writes this letter to Timothy, is probably some of the darkest days of his life. Paul's in prison, uh, not for the first time, but this time it's worse. Uh, We don't know exactly the year that he was there, uh, but it seems that it would have been a year or two after the great fire of Rome. Now, it's thought uh, that perhaps the emperor at the time, Nero, might have started that fire, Uh, We don't know for sure, but we do know that it was blamed on the Christians. Uh, And it it brought in an incredibly terrible time of persecution for all believers there. And so you can imagine Paul being uh, a well-known believer, you know, being a leader of the church, would have been treated harshly. Uh, The word that he uses for criminal in this passage uh, is the same as that used to describe those who were crucified uh, with Jesus. It's used for people considered enemies of the state or at least the worst of of criminals. You know, this was maximum security. Paul was in a bad place. I mean, try to to imagine the situation with me. Uh, He's in a dungeon. It's cold, it's dark, probably damp and musty. He's not a young guy, he's an old man. Uh, So he's suffering. Uh, He's in maximum security, so likely he's got guards either chained to him or watching him the whole time. Uh, there's no privacy, you know, it's, it's a bad place. It's more uh, Port Arthur or Sarah Island than Risdon. And yet despite all this adversity, despite all these hardships that he's suffering, Paul can still come out with this, this remarkable exclamation, but God's word is not chained. I mean, it really needs the exclamation mark after it, doesn't it? God's word is not chained. I mean, in this this situation, you could forgive uh, Paul and Timothy for thinking that it was all over. You know, that this was the end of his ministry. You know, evangelism's all over. It's all locked up. Paul, the founder of dozens of churches, the the guy who's brought the gospel to, to almost the whole Roman Empire, is jailed. 
He's locked up. But no, God's word is not chained. And we can see evidence of this in his writings. Uh, In 2 Timothy 4, Paul is able to write that through him the gospel has been fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. This from a guy who's in prison. Or in Philippians 1, that Paul's chains actually gave him opportunity to advance the gospel, resulting in it being known amongst the whole palace guard and to everyone else that he was in chains for Christ. Paul might be imprisoned, he might be locked up, but the gospel is not. The gospel is free. It's still out there doing its job, winning converts, as effective as ever. Uh, In Isaiah 55.11, God says, So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And here we see that being fulfilled in Paul's situation. He's locked up, but the gospel is free, still accomplishing what God desires for it. I mean, you've got to wonder what the the Romans were thinking at this time. I mean, they've got to be thinking, look, we've locked up Paul. Uh, This should pretty well knock Christianity on its head. We, We won't have to worry about it anymore. You know, they'd be expecting it to die out soon. But instead, you know, there's believers and churches popping up everywhere they turn around. It's like, it's like trying to stamp out a petrol fire. You know, you keep stomping on it, but it just spreads. Every time you stomp, it just gets bigger and bigger. And pretty soon your shoe's on fire. I mean, God's word is not bound. But the way that we treat it might sometimes give the opposite impression. The going gets tough and we shut up shop. You know, our situation gets hard, we face some opposition... Maybe there's little response. And, you know, we throw up our hands. We surrender. We say, look, it's not worth it. There's no doors open here. And in effect, we deny the true power of the gospel to overcome earthly forces. We need the same encouragement that Timothy was to receive from this message. You know, he was a young guy. Uh, it's likely he was a bit timid. And his mentor, his father figure, was in prison for preaching the very gospel which he's supposed to Now he was up against it. He was facing opposition. There were false teachers in his church. There was a stubborn audience who wouldn't listen. And yet this message would have put a fire in his belly. The gospel is not bound. Earthly opposition can't hold it back. So put it out there. Preach it and let it do its work. And we need to hear this message as well. Now our world doesn't want to hear the good news. It hates it. It tries to suppress it to trample it underfoot. People don't see a need for it. It's outdated or irrelevant. But should that stop us? Should that hold it back? Because it won't hold the gospel back. The world's shackles, the world's labels can't uh, contain it. No law can hold it back. No border can keep it out. I mean, imagine if Ben, uh, doing your adopter block rounds, Imagine if you were to give up at the first rejection or the first uh, shut door. I mean, I'm guessing you wouldn't have got very far. <laughs> Probably not past the first door. But the gospel's not bound. A door can't keep it out, and so you continue. Or even Hugh Sum and your family going to Jordan. I mean, if there's any country that appears closed to the gospel, I mean, surely the Middle East. But yet the gospel's not bound, and it will still have effect there as well.
or for all of us, if our workmate or if our friend, a family member perhaps, if they knock it back, if it's not for them, will we give up? Will we just leave it at that? But the gospel's not bound. It will go forth and it will do as God intends for it. So keep at it. You never know when that day might be, when the door might be opened. If Paul can still evangelise in prison, you know, in the worst of circumstances, I'm sure we can face the opposition that we have. If we, as he, if we do as he did and if we trust in the power and the effectiveness of this message. Now the whole passage uh, so far has been given by Paul to encourage and to spur on believers uh, in the face of hardship and the final verses that we have here are no different. Uh, Verses 11 to 13, let me just read them for you. Here is a trustworthy saying, if we died with him we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Now, what we have here is probably an early hymn, uh, whether Paul wrote it or if he's just using it. Uh, Either or it doesn't really matter, because he's using it uh, to remind us of the hope that we have. When the going gets tough, the tough remember the hope that they have. Now I don't do a lot of uh, hiking or bushwalking. Um, it's not really my thing. Uh, I can enjoy it in small doses but not too much. But you know that moment when you're uh, climbing a hill or a mountain, you're on your way up and you get to that point, it starts getting steep, uh, you start getting tired, your legs feel a bit like jelly, uh, sooner rather than later in my case. And you know that there's just that temptation to turn back. You think, ah. Oh, Will it really be worth it? Can I really be bothered? Um, Obviously I'm not the most uh, committed bushwalker. But you know, you want to give up. But you think, I'll push on. You know, it will be good. Surely it will be good once we're at the top. And you know, once you do get there, if you do push on, you get to the top of the mountain and it's amazing how you forget all of that hardship that you experienced on the way up. You get to the top, you, you get your reward, your satisfaction, you can have a look at the view and your legs don't hurt as much anymore. You feel better. You know? The reward far outweighs the, the, the pain or the toil that you had on the way up. Well, it's a similar situation as believers. The going might be tough now. Uh, it might seem hard and, it, and if it's not hard now, it, it will be surely one day. But we need to push on in the hope of what we have to come. And it's these things that Paul reminds Timothy of here in verses 11 to 13. Firstly, if we died with him, we will also live with him. It's a wonderful irony, isn't it, of the Christian faith. If we give up our old life, if we completely put away our old self, if we've died to the world, then in giving up our life, we receive eternal life. I mean, the cost of becoming a Christian is great, but the reward is infinite. As surely as we give up our life for him, so surely will we live forever with him, for he himself is our life. And the second line, if we endure, he will also re- if we, endure we will also reign with him. And the road as a believer is going to be hard, it's going to be difficult, and Paul's explained that for us already. 
But if we endure, if we stick it out, we get to share in the victory of Christ and in his triumph. That's why Paul in uh, 2 Timothy 4 verse 8 can say that he's stuck it out. He's endured, he's fought the good fight, he's finished the race and so he can look forward to the crown of righteousness that's given by Christ himself. As surely as we endure, like Paul, we too will reign with him, with Christ our Lord and King. Now the third line uh, contains a warning for us. If we disown him, he will also disown us. Uh, Later on in this chapter, in the verses we we didn't read, uh, Paul writes of those who are denying Christ uh, in the church that Timothy was in. And it's probably these guys who he was thinking of when he wrote this line. But it's a warning that we're all to take heed of. As surely as we deny Christ, so surely will he deny us. On one hand, we can't minimise the weight of this warning, but we do need to understand uh, what's meant by it. Uh, This disowning is a fundamental disownment of Christ. It's a way of life that rejects him, that denies his rule over our life. And the warning is, if you disown Christ, if you reject him, if you turn your back on him, then you'll get as you wished. He will turn his back on you. He will disown you on the last day. Uh, It's no trivial thing to disown Christ and the consequences are eternal. If you are rejecting him, if you are denying his rule, then I would urge you to heed this warning, to hear what Paul is saying here and to take this opportunity to reconsider whether that's the way you really want things to go. If we disown him, he will also disown us. And finally, we might expect the last line of this little hymn to to follow the previous. Uh, If we are faithless, he will remain faithless to us. But it's not the way it goes, is it? If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. You can imagine Timothy, who was known for being a bit timid, what encouragement he would have taken from this line. Even though I'm faithful, uh, faithless sometimes, he will remain faithful. And so the encouragement for us too. Even though we're faithless, even though at times we lack trust in him, even though our belief wavers, he will remain faithful. I mean, let's be honest, we are incredibly faithless, aren't we? Even a dog is more faithful to its master than we are to ours. I mean, if our salvation depended on our faithfulness, we'd be up the creek without a paddle. And yet in his mercy, God has made it that it isn't so. Our salvation depends on him and as Paul writes here, he cannot disown himself. We might swing every which way, but James writes, God does not change like shifting shadows. Our surety as believers, our hope, is based on the very character of God. He who maintains all of his promises, he who has never let a single one of his promises slip, is the same one who has promised salvation to us and he will not take it back for he is faithful. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Uh, It might seem sometimes as believers that the odds are against us, uh, that the opposition that faces us is overwhelming, that the hardships or the trials that we face seem insurmountable. But as great as these difficulties appear, uh, as great as these trials seem to us, As Paul's been trying to teach us in this passage, our hope is all the more stronger. 
Suffering might challenge our life now, but we can remember Christ who ultimately suffered on our behalf. Hardships or opposition might stand before us, but we can remember the unbound gospel that we hold to. Difficulties and persecution may affect us now, but we can remember the eternal hope that outweighs them all. However great our hardship may be, infinitely more wonderful is our hope. So when the going gets tough, do as Paul says uh, and get remembering. Uh, Let's pray. Father in heaven, we, we thank you that we can have such great and wonderful assurance in you. Lord, you have uh, given us such hope that we know that despite any circumstance that we come up against, any hardship or, or struggle that we face, that our hope is so much greater, that the gospel that we stand on is so much stronger. Father, we ask that you would help us to remember this gospel, to remember this hope that we have, that when the going gets tough we wouldn't cling to our own strength, that we would cling to you instead. Father, lay these words on our heart and encourage us by them daily. Uh, Help us to find strength in your gospel uh, and in the knowledge of who you are. We thank you for this uh, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.